Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Banter Podcast, episode 31. Uh, this is your host, Ben Cohen. I'm here with my co-host, Mike Luciano, and today we have a very special guest, uh, the great Bob Cheska. And Bob, we get you on when things are really serious. Um, <laughs> this is a discussion with Mike. It's like, look, we need to get Bob on uh, because uh, I, this last week has been so overwhelming that I just don't know really what to make of it. You, you know, you've written some great stuff this week as oh, well. and you know, to synthesize all this stuff in a way that like few other economists are, are partially capable of. Um, oh, so look, it's great to have you on, Bob. And Mike has insisted that we get the boring stuff out of the way first. So <laughs> what a sell at the beginning of the show. We're going to get the boring stuff out of the way. Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay, Stay tuned. 12 minutes of boring shit right now, starting now. I mean, it was relative, to be fair, you know, look, the debate under normal circumstances would have been, had the whole nation on edge. It would have been big news and a big deal. But given what else has happened this week, which we're going to get into, uh, you know, the VP debate was literally the bottom of the pile in terms of Mm -hmm. like what, uh, you know, but look, we, we, we need to discuss it. It, You know, uh, it it was a, it was a solid debate. I, at least in my opinion. And, uh, you know, anyway, but what, what, what did you, what was your reaction to it? Well, I kind of agree with what you wrote on Facebook, Ben, which is that, uh, generally speaking, at least the republic wasn't destabilized during this particular debate. And maybe that's why we're kind of framing it as being a boring news story, because nothing was damaged. There was no damage to institutions throughout the course of that debate, because there was no Donald Trump in there. And instead, we had Mike Pence, who is uh, like a human-animal hybrid, one half televangelist, the other half droid. I mean, he's a robot who's been programmed <laughs> to impersonate a politician. I mean, he's absolutely generic politician, man. It's like he went to a media training seminar for first-year uh, political operatives and took everything to heart. I mean, it, he's like one of these guys who does all of the usual like politico kind of uh double speak and the the cliches and all the rest of it i kept waiting for him to refer to uh, washington politicians as fat cats or you know you know it i know it the american people know it things like that it's just off the shelf uh, political posturing and pandering but uh, i mean beyond that uh and beyond the fly which is what everyone's going to remember i mean for decades to come we're all going to be talking about the vice presidential debate in which there was a fly on Mike Pence's head. It's like no one remembers the vice presidential debate with Admiral Stockdale from 1992. All they remember is Admiral Stockdale turning off his hearing aid. Um, So it seems like in that respect, there was a little bit of normalcy in the world, or at least in the United States for that period of time. And that's not to say that what Mike Pence was saying content-wise was normal, because what Mike Pence does is he frames horrifying shit in the midst of what I was saying before, in the midst of that kind of focus group-tested politician speak that he engages in. So, you know, in the context of talking like generic politician, generic reasonable politician, or, you know, there's all this horrible thing, you know, just whether it was... Democrats want to abort babies right up to the time of birth, which is not a thing. Um, But he says it in a way that sounds reasonable. And that, joking aside, that's what's scary about Mike Pence. Mike Pence is one of those Trumpers who comes off as being reasonable to someone who's not entirely paying attention. And I would say that's most people. 
they're taking away the superficial performancey aspects of things and not really paying attention to the horror show that Mike Pence was talking about. So, I mean, that's one of my immediate takeaways from from that debate. On top of the fact that on the other side of the, you know, usually it's one table where they're both sitting, but the, on the other side of the two plexiglass shields, which is a constant reminder of the failure of the Trump administration on this uh, pandemic. But on the other side, Kamala Harris was uh, cool as a cucumber. It's as if she's been doing this her entire career. I mean, I'm talking about presidential level debating, high stakes uh, performances in prime time on network television. Uh, and she was uh, more or less flawless. And I was really pleased, um, mainly because I have to say, confession-wise, when Joe Biden speaks, I sometimes get uncomfortable and nervous, only because I don't know where he's going to go. I don't know if it's going to start out as a normal answer and end up into an anecdote about corn pop. So I, I get a little worried. But, um, you know, that's not to impugn necessarily Joe Biden. Joe Biden's always been Joe Biden. The Joe Biden that we see today is the same Joe Biden we saw 30 years ago. Uh, So but with Kamala Harris, you get a different vibe where you don't necessarily have to worry. You know that she's practiced. You know, she's done her her homework. And uh, and, uh, you know, she I think it turned out really, really well for her. We also have a man problem in this country. I don't know if you guys want to get into that either, but that was one of the big takeaways is that Kamala Harris sucked. Why? Because she's a woman or she was mean or she was being a bitch or whatever the horrible man things, the man criticisms of uh, Kamala Harris happen to be. That's basically where I'm sitting with the most boring news story of the week. I agree with you on Pence and his performance, but Harris, I think my main takeaway from this other than that flies are still attracted to shit was the Harris game plan. And I felt like the game plan, which was probably devised by the Biden campaign itself. I feel like the game plan Wednesday was to stick to the talking points and not venture very far from them. Uh, Mm. That became clear as the debate went on. I get it. They're ahead in, in most of the swimming States. Biden's up double digits nationally. Don't rock the boat. But there were some moments where I was yelling at Kamala through the TV saying, kill him. Like when Pence said, we have a healthcare plan and that's all he said about it. And Harris didn't challenge him in that moment. I was just screaming at her to say, what is your plan? Because healthcare is a, I mean, the, the non-existent GOP healthcare plan has been a much longer running gag than infrastructure week. And healthcare is a layup for Democrats in any chance they, they have to contrast themselves with Republicans on that. They should take it because Democrats have pulled consistently well on healthcare. So I, I wanted a Harris that was meaner and I wanted the Harris that we saw in the, in the primary debates where she was very punchy. Uh, but instead we got a, let's not rock the boat here at which again, I understand, I, I get it. You're ahead in the major polls. You want this to be a boring debate. Yes. Uh, but from me, my end as a total partisan, I wanted hammer blows. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, think with uh, vice presidential debates, I get the sense that the mission ultimately is do no harm. Uh, you know, just like kind of, kind of just uh, show up. Don't fuck up. 
uh, get some jabs in there, which she certainly did. She had some jabs. She certainly nailed Mike Pence when it came to Abraham Lincoln and stacking the courts and uh, and not approving Supreme Court justices so close to uh, an election. And yeah, that was <laughs> excellent. That was a re- that she, she was excellent there. Really, yeah, really. Yeah. That, that was a ferocious um, uh, attack. I thought that played really well. But I kind of get what you're saying. I think it was only because of expectations uh, that you may have uh, taken that away, Mike, because there were a lot of expectations from the moment she was announced as a Biden's running mate. Oh, yeah. in that debate with Pence, she's going to annihilate Pence, right? Because she's a prosecutor and she's going to go after him. She's going to basically verbally decapitate him for an hour and a half. And I think that was more a, a matter of, you know, inflated expectations going in rather than uh, something that maybe she was practically going to to do. Because you you don't want to call you don't want to make news necessarily. The fact that we're referring to this debate as boring, it's probably a good thing, <laughs> probably a positive thing for the Biden campaign, at least. So, uh, you know, a lot of people complained about Susan Page, uh, USA Today's D.C. bureau chief uh, who moderated this debate. What was your takeaway, uh, both of you guys, if, if you have anything of her performance? Because she I don't think she did a good job. Why are they choosing these moderators? Because it just seems like in order to have a moderator for a debate, the moderator has to know how to moderate a debate. And so far, we've had two moderators who have no fucking clue how to moderate a debate. I mean, I looked out my living room window during the debate and I saw Susan Page walking her dog. It was an amazing thing. She was nowhere to be found on that stage. And and, and Mike Pence just steamrolled right over her. It wasn't... It wasn't the way Donald Trump was steamrolling over everything, but it was still royally obnoxious. And the the most obnoxious thing about it is I think there were a lot of um, men, probably about half of all white men watching that debate, were hoping he would steamroll the women, which is just, again, going back to what I'm saying, what this debate, I think, really emphasized, really underscored. Not quite as much as 2016, but certainly in immediate memory, uh, the serious issue we have with uh, with with white men in this country just being out to to lunch, and we see that in the polls with regard to Trump and the election, but also we saw in the uh, reaction to that debate. Right, you know, she allowed the candidates to make extra statements after their time was up, especially yeah. Pence early on. She made it clear that she was going to let the candidates answer any question they wanted, no matter what the question was. Paige got several totally irrelevant answers, and all she had to say about it was, thank you for your response. And also, I don't think she asked a single follow-up question, which is its just incredible. And toward the end of the debate, I was ready to channel the bobs from office space, like, Susan Page, what would you say you do here? And her final question wasn't even her question. It was from an eighth grader, and it was just boilerplate asking why the two parties can't get along, you know? Oh, to which, that was such horseshit. Oh, a question from an eighth grader. Right. No, 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 no. The correct answer to that is the correct answer is uh, Republicans are political nihilists who will do anything for the worst human being in the country. That was the response I was hoping for from Kamala Harris, but shockingly, I did not get it. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. I mean, I think you know the the, the 
it does. It does seem to me that um, that Kamala held her own in such a way that it, the, the moderator wasn't such a big deal this time around. You know, yeah. like she, she's a pretty fearsome character, Kamala. Yeah. You know, when she gave um, Mike Pence those knowing looks, like, "Hey, shut up." You could tell that Mike Pence, uh, Mike Pence knew he was up against someone, you know, who who was not not to be messed with. Yeah. Uh, and in that sense, I think the moderator was less. It wasn't a Chris Wallace implosion. You know, it was it was nothing. It wasn't that bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's right. And and with uh, with Kamala Harris, it gave her the opportunity to you know do the thing that has now become you know one of the memes out of the debate, which is I'm speaking, I'm speaking, I'm speaking, and uh, and so that worked out well for her. I mean, that if a meme emerges from a debate like that. Well, you did something right. As long as, and it's a positive meme. It's not a negative one either. So that was at least a, a silver lining to all the interrupting. One last point I would like to make on this debate is that that fly was on Mike Pence's head for two minutes and three <laughs> seconds. And, and Kamala Harris didn't say a thing. Nope. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to let that fly just fly out on Mike Pence's head and do his fly things for as long as it wants. Well, it didn't help that Mike Pence's eye was filled with blood for most of it. I mean, just like death warmed over is the overall takeaway from Mike Pence Just looking at him. Just looks like a, looking like a corpse, bloody eye and a fly in his head probably has COVID. I don't know. But uh, yeah, by the way, did you guys see the deadline Hollywood fuck up yesterday? Wait, Bob, did you want to talk about the deadline fuck up? Oh yeah, well they just said the deadline made a uh, a, a uh, what is it, a pre-write story where they uh, you know they prepped a story saying that Mike Pence tested positive for COVID just in case he did so they'd have a story in the can ready to roll out mm-hmm. if that happened and they accidentally rolled it out. There was a tweet, there was an article and it was it had us all going what the fuck for about uh, you know 30 minutes yesterday. I think perhaps that he does have COVID and, and um, you know, who would trust the white house on anything anyway? You know, mm-hmm. we don't know. We don't know whether he's tested. We can't trust on, on literally on anything at the moment. So, you know, there's, there's rightfully, there's a suspicion that the guy does have COVID-19. He's tested positive for it. I think, didn't he cancel all his um, events in Indiana? You know, who knows? Again, like, I don't want to get into conspiracy theory land because uh, we don't know, but it's not as if this administration is doing much to stop the conspiracy theory spreading. No. And, and of course, it was never going to be that case where, uh, you know, long ago, it, it they just were so uh, ensconced and just this endless geyser of disinformation. There was no way we were ever going to believe a goddamn word they were saying. Well, it was one of the problems with just making shit up all the time. When you end up in a disaster like this, a national crisis, no one believes what you have to say about it because you've cried wolf so many times. And it seems almost puerile to say, to define Donald Trump as crying wolf, but that's kind of what he was doing in the most heinous ways possible, uh, in a constant way. So the fact that anyone still believes a word that he says is kind of a, uh, uh, I don't know, a warning sign that something really bad is wrong, <laughs> wrong with, uh, you know, 40% of the voting population of this country that still believing this crapola. And I guess that's uh, maybe a just consequence of Fox News Channel and the uh, ongoing stream of propaganda coming from there. So it's a matter of him and probably all of his propagandists at the same time causing that. They're not even doing contact tracing from the Amy 
Coney Barrett super spreader event. This White House is just pretending. It continues to pretend that this pandemic is not happening. I mean, on Thursday, Don Jr. held an event in South Florida indoors with about 60 or 70 people packed into a room shoulder to shoulder, screaming and yelling, MAGA, all that stuff, make America great again. And you're watching this and you're just like, this is like a scene from an alternate reality. These people are living in a parallel universe and it's crazy. Yeah, and they're going to be doing. Uh, I mean, I think there's a there's a rally scheduled for tomorrow, uh, a Trump rally, and then I think they're going to do another Trump rally on Monday. So he's back. Yeah, he's so going to go back yeah, to doing Trump's these uh, super spreader events. Yeah, he's back. He was on Sean Hannity yesterday talking about um, doing. He wants to do two events this 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 weekend. I mean, this right. is crazy. I mean, look, can you believe that Trump just in this week alone? Um, I mean, the past week has been insane. We only learned about. Trump testing positive for COVID on Friday, right? Yeah. We learned on Friday morning, one, like one o'clock in the morning, that Trump had tested positive for COVID, which I don't believe for a second that that was the first positive test he received. I think he, I think he tested positive before then. There's no way they would release it that quickly after he tested positive. I think they were covering their asses, um, to use a British expression, you, you know. And then he was released from hospital on Monday. He's clearly not well. He's clearly still, he's highly contagious still, right? You need 14 days at least from infection, right, to, for COVID to be out of your system. It hasn't been 14 days, Right. It's been it's been a maximum of he tested positive supposedly on Friday. That would mean seven days he's had COVID. Right. Mm-hmm. So he's positive. He's contagious at least for another week. And they they are claiming that he's been cured, or he's claiming that he's been cured. You know, his doctors mm-hmm. are being um, his doctors are being purposefully evasive about uh, about his testing, and he's being evasive about his testing. He was telling Sean Hunt, he's like, oh, we might get the test tomorrow. You might get the test tomorrow. You be, should be. Should you be getting? Te- you're in the. You're the fucking president. You have access to testing twenty four seven. As in, you can get tested every hour if you want. If you wanted to, I'm yeah. sure he's had tests. You know that are showing that he's still highly contagious. He would be the first person that I've heard of to have been cured from COVID in a, in a week. Well, the other thing is that we have to bear in mind, too, is Donald Trump believes that he is in command of everyone in the executive branch of government, including his doctors, who, by the way, have all signed NDAs, which, again, that's a common Donald Trump thing at this point. He you know, had all of his uh, cabinet level secretaries sign NDAs, his entire staff sign NDAs. So he's got this constant... Uh, uh, anvil hanging over the heads of everyone he comes into contact with in the White House, including Dr. Conley. And so in that regard, you know, and by the way, I wouldn't be surprised if there was something in the NDA with Dr. Conley that he can only reveal positive information about Donald Trump. He can't reveal anything that's negative about Donald Trump. And that's why we're seeing what we're seeing. Donald Trump has commanded Dr. Conley and the rest of that medical team to say certain things publicly about his condition that will not damage Donald Trump. So this is a matter of not actual medicine being practiced here. I mean, maybe there's there's some. Obviously, he was administered certain uh, treatments and so on. But at the same time, the prognosis that we're getting out of that medical team is not based on actual medicine. It's based on Donald Trump's orders to his doctors to say certain things not only because of the NDA, but because Donald Trump feels as if he's in command of all of these people. You have to take my orders, especially the military doctors 
who he's technically the commander in chief of. <laughs> so they're all going along with whatever he orders them to say. And that's going to be uh, a, a goddamn guys. Once again, another geyser of uh, disinformation and propaganda. And that's what we're seeing. And, and more and more people are going to get sick and uh, potentially die because Donald Trump refuses to see the reality of all this. Well, the head scratcher about the NDAs is, I mean, HIPAA applies to everyone, including the president. So, Mm -hmm. you know, this medical information can't be released unless Donald Trump gives the green light, you know, and he can can, under HIPAA, he can kind of, you know, pick and choose what results and what diagnoses get released to the public. So it makes you wonder, why does he want them to sign an NDA? And, you know, the conclusion I came to is that he's he, he's just worried that doctors might overhear non-medical information. They might overhear Trump conversations with his aides on the phone or in person that aren't related to his medical situation that's not covered by HIPAA. And that, you know, some of the doctors in there will relay some non-medical information to the press, but I like, that's the best thing I could come up with. It just seems like a very weird thing to have your medical team sign when you already have a law protecting your private medical information. Yeah. Maybe just another layer of protection that Donald Trump insists upon having. He's just so deeply paranoid. Right. Yeah, and just terribly, terribly insecure with his teeny tiny brittle ego. He's just so concerned that someone's going to say, oh, yeah, when we were applying the face makeup to Donald Trump after he received this, that, this or that treatment. You know, he doesn't want shit like that out. He doesn't want, you know, the true nature of his uh, uh, medical condition, his health condition released. And I don't think he believes that HIPAA actually is strong enough. Or I don't think Donald Trump is even aware of what HIPAA is or that it exists. (laughs) And plus, you know, having people who work for you and and work closely with you, you know, having them sign NDAs at this point for Trump is like breathing. Yeah. HIPAAs are very strong animals, very powerful animals. (laughs) They're purple. They're big purple. They got the biggest mouths, a big purple mouth. Yeah. That's what he thinks HIPAA is. He's also, I mean, I think. I think it's also worth pointing out that the guy is um, strong out on steroids at the moment. He's on dexamethasone, I think. Uh, That's the the, the term, uh, the medication that he's on, uh, one of the medications that he's on. I mean, look, I'm, I'm not a doctor, but, you know, I've listened to several interviews with doctors talking about dexamethasone, and they say that, you know, one of the uh, side effects of this is you get this massively increased energy. You can become slightly sort of deluded and bouts of kind of mania i think were some of the terms that that i've heard so you combine this with trump combine this with somebody who is already clinically predisposed to um massive amounts of aggression bouts of narcissism delusion mania you we've got basically a a a president who's who's basically having a roid rage right now he's out of the hospital and and pumped to the gills on steroids uh, claiming that he feels better than he did 20 years ago. Yeah, of course you do, because you're on massive amounts of steroids. So, I mean, it makes it just, it's kind of terrifying. And yeah. and, uh, and the, the the idea that this guy could be more unhinged than he already is. And I think, you know, anyone following his tw- his Twitter feed over the past week, as soon as he got out of, out of hospital, he was just tweeting like a madman. I mean, it was it was unhinged even for him. Yeah. You know, so I, I think we're in very scary territory at the moment. 
I think that uh, dexamethasone is going to be Donald Trump's new Adderall. I think he's going to insist on having dexamethasone pumped into him before the <laughs> rallies, before the debate. And, and you know what? I'm like 90% serious about that because the uh, someone like Donald Trump receiving a dose of that kind of steroid that, if you believe what he says, makes him feel 20 years younger, he's going to want that all the time. He's going to believe that this makes him superhuman because he was able to defeat COVID with this medication. So he may even demand remdesivir. He may demand all of these medications in perpetuity, irrespective of whether they're going to kill him because the corticosteroids will kill him. They will diminish his uh, adrenal glands and whatever other horrible side effects that you know this, this kind of steroid has on the human body. He's going to deal with that only because he can get up and, and stand up in front of the television cameras and feel like he's 20 years younger, feel like his performance is effortless, which is one of the reasons why I'm sure he takes whatever drugs he takes before his rallies, whether it's Adderall or ProVigil or some other thing. I mean, this is going to be an ongoing medical treatment for Donald Trump. Uh, and as long as he's president, he can order his doctors to administer it to him. They, they will not refuse. Otherwise, they'll either be violating, you know, um, their NDAs or violating some other thing, and uh, so, which he doesn't care about. So uh, I think we can expect next week by way of this next debate, which I can't even believe it's going to happen. Um, but it still seems up in the air. But regardless, if Donald Trump shows up at the next debate, whether it's virtual or not, it's going to be... <laughs> What we saw a week ago, it's going to be that times a thousand. He's going to be, yeah, he's going to be completely uh, uh, Mr. McGee, don't make me angry kind of territory. Right. So, you know, since the last time we recorded, Donald Trump has said that he will pull out of the second presidential debate because it's being held virtually. Uh-huh. And Republicans are, you know, backing him on this. They're just they're saying, oh, there's I, I saw I saw some blue check marks say, you know, there's never been a virtual presidential debate. Well, actually, there was in 1960. Richard Nixon was in Los Angeles. JFK was in New York and the moderator was in Chicago. And that debate went off without a hitch. So if you can do a virtual debate with 60 years ago technology, you can certainly do it now in the present in 2020. But Trump doesn't want to do it virtually, I think, because it's just another reminder of his failure to get this virus under control. And I think that's what was the sticking point there for a while between Harris and Pence before their debate. Pence didn't want X amount of plexiglass between them and all this stuff. And it's like, at the end of the day, who cares? But I think they're worried about the optics. They're worried about the optics of putting the necessary safety precautions in place. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the virtual debate is going to be just prepping everybody just in terms of expectations. The virtual debate, if it happens, is going to be chaos. I mean, not just in terms of Donald Trump's behavior, because that's going to be the driver of the chaos, but just the dealing with the technology and the crosstalk and the bad internet connections. And it's just, it's going to be muting Donald Trump when he won't stop interrupting. It's going to be madness. And that's why I, I kind of keep uh, thinking back to um, Wednesday's debate and how 
seemingly or relatively normal it was uh that we're going to be longing for the return of the fly or something uh <laughs> that reminds us of this week's debate uh as we're watching next week's debate because again if it if it happens it's going to be like three stooges trying to fix the plumbing it's going to be mayhem uh from top to bottom <laughs> so good luck america when that happens trump should use ben's wi-fi connection <laughs> exactly right ben's wi-fi connection is how this debate is going to go down that's exactly right. <laughs> sorry ben <laughs> yeah i, w- I would be laughing but I, I didn't hear any of that because i didn't hear any of it because my internet cut out but <laughs> <laughs> i'm joking i heard uh, all, i heard all about you guys um <laughs> Yeah, apologies to the listeners if 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 they're hearing any of these interruptions. Um, <laughs> but look, um, moving on to again, perhaps this is to do with uh, Trump's roid rage. Is Trump completely flip flopping on the um, COVID relief, relief negotiations, the second stimulus? Right, that he yeah. inexplicably just at the you know I can't remember what time it was it was in at in the evening I think or night time he just declared that he was pulling out of negotiations with Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats and that he would uh, get a second stimulus after the election which he's now flip-flopped on again apparently but it's hard to say it's hard to say where he's at at the moment he looks like he's come back to the table again this appeared to be the only like the only thing he has going for him is the economy Mm. right and it's quite clear now that the economy is flagging, is dangerously flagging, and people are running out. Families are running out of money. There's businesses that are are in dire shape. Rent is going to be due. Uh, the, the, I can't remember. There was like record number of people that could be evicted at the end of the month um, if they don't get a second stimulus. Uh, yet Trump saw th- thought this was a genius move to pull out of negotiations because mm-hmm. who does this hurt if he pulls out of the negotiations? I mean, only him. It only hurts him. Yeah. So I, I don't like. What's your thinking on this, Bob? What, what do you see? Does he have a strategy here? No, no, no. In insofar as he does have a strategy, if there is a strategy in play here, it is wafer wafer thin. It's about the same level of strategy as some moron going into a used car dealership and thinking they're going to get a great deal by bargaining down the salesman or something like that. It's like the, the you know the car sales strategy where oh yeah, you got to leave them waiting. He does this all the time. He did this with the first debate. In fact, Le- make them wait. I'm going to, I'm going to be late a little bit and that's going to fuck with their heads, things like that. And so with this, uh, stimulus deal going on, he was doing the business where, oh yeah, you should never be afraid to walk away from a deal. You know? So what, basically what he was doing was getting up and walking away from the negotiating table with the, uh, used car salesman. Oh, this is too expensive for me. I'm tired. I'm going to go to another dealership. Bye. And he walks away and then turns around and comes back. (laughs) Oh yeah. By the way, that was just a head fake. I'm really I'm here to negotiate in real life. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. Sorry about, you know, losing how much wealth was dropped off the stock market after he did that. Sorry about that. Uh, please forgive me. You know, I'm really into this. But again, what it comes off as is completely erratic. Uh, like he doesn't know what he's doing. And he, and he really, he really, really doesn't. He, he thinks this is some sort of game. So, and, and the longer he can keep his name in the news, I guess he feels like he's winning that game. Uh, but it just piles on to the rest of the things that all make Donald Trump uh, 
I mean, long since wear out is welcome. I mean, this is just all adding to the Trump fatigue. Is he going to do it? What's he going to do next? Is he sick? Is he not sick? You know, it's just like people are sick and tired of the games. People are tired of the uh, Donald Trump's giant head being in their living room. Uh, that's it's we're done with that uh, as as a country. And I keep my fingers crossed with that. Don't get happy. But um, this uh, stimulus negotiation goes hand in hand with all the reasons why people are just generally sick of this fucker. He's proposing this stimulus deal, and he's also directed Health and Human Services to send Medicare recipients a $200 gift card, basically, to use on their prescription meds. And so, like, you know, Donald Trump trying to help out, like, little old men, little old ladies. There's a scene in the movie Black Mass that stars Johnny Depp as Whitey Bulger, who's a notorious Boston mob boss. Most of the movie is Bulger doing gangster stuff, but there's a scene where he helps a little old lady with her groceries because that's what mobsters would do. They would often just help people around the neighborhood, help locals to cultivate a good guy image, which can come in handy when you need it. That's what this is. This prescription drug card is a face-saving measure from a gangster. Don't pay attention to all of the other horrible shit that you've heard about me. Oh, it's all lies. It's all fake news. It's just, this is who I am, right? Now, I want to help you. But unlike a, a mobster, like Trump is doing this from a position of weakness and a desperation. And this is something I can't really figure out. And, and maybe Bob or Ben, you can help me with this. Trump doesn't seem to understand that a second relief package weeks or even months ago would have made for good politics, right? Like you help people, they appreciate it. He doesn't seem to understand that. He, he already signed the first relief package, the one that included stimulus checks, which were accompanied by a signed letter from him, which was basically a campaign ad funded by taxpayer money, which, hey, Trump sucks, but that's good PR. But for some reason, that's all he's done. And here, th there's been no real effort on a second relief package. And Trump's largely deferred to McConnell, I guess, who seems to have no real interest in passing a second relief bill. But if, if I'm Trump, I would have been on McConnell's ass months ago about this. Like, hey, I want to get this done. Play ball. If you don't want to play ball, how about I start saying mean <laughs> things about you when you're up for re-election in November? But Trump had no interest in doing that. And I guess the only real reason, the only plausible explanation I can conjure up uh, here is that maybe Trump thought that a second relief package would be an indication that things are still bad out there. And it would be an admission that the first package wasn't big enough because the pandemic has continued to rage and he didn't like the optics of that. That's the only explanation I can come up with as to why he didn't push for a second relief package. But it just would have made for smart politics. I don't know. What do you guys think? I think he doesn't know which way to go. I think on one hand, he understands that he can buy votes by giving people money. He, he, it's a strategy that he's used in the past. Certainly in 2018, he promised some sort of giant tax cut. He promised another one this year. Um, he's, he made that promise about the uh, Medicare prescription cards, which probably aren't going to happen. Um, so he understands that, but at the same time, he also understands the power of owning the libs. And I don't think he knows which way to go with all of this. Honest to God, irrespective of whatever strategy he's playing, I think he's uh, conflicted. I think on one hand, he wants to own the libs. He wants to make this 
uh, fall apart so he can blame Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats for it. But on the other hand, he knows that if he's able to get another stimulus out and he's got his name, you know, uh, the his EKG signature on every single stimulus check, that that's going to help him in the election, provided it, it gets out before the election. Um, so he's just, he doesn't know which end is up. And I think, once again, his medical condition is making everything worse for him. Because as we know, uh, you know, medicine like that tends to amplify all the things that are already there. And so that's right. it's amplifying all the horrible things and ridiculous things and paranoia and all the rest of it that Donald Trump normally experiences. But now it's in the midst of a negotiation too. So yeah, he is, uh, he has no fucking clue. But I mean, look, I think what's also interesting is that um, Mitch McConnell has basically said, like, it's not going to happen. I think he said today, uh, this is on Friday, he said that um, he doesn't think a stimulus is going to be passed within the next three weeks, mm. which is obviously that's the, the time frame that Trump needs stimulus to be passed in. So it, it seems to me, and, and um, you guys correct me if I'm, I'm wrong here, but it seems to me that the Republicans are basically cutting their losses now. They they see the writing on the wall that um, this election is basically done. Like, he he's... Not only is he losing the presidential election, but he's going to cost the Senate. Right? He's going to cause the Republicans to lose the Senate as well. And I think McConnell appears to be acutely aware of this um, and now just has his eyes on getting his Supreme Court justice through. Yeah. Uh, that will be his departing shot to the Democrats on the way out because, you know, uh, they, they don't have any cards left to play anymore. And it's interesting that McConnell... Um, it doesn't. He's not up for. It. He. There's no way he's going to agree to the to the 2.2 trillion dollar stimulus. No. No chance. So, like Trump is in now. He he's desperate, and the Republicans are, are leaving him. Like the the Mitch McConnell has basically decided. Like okay, this guy's a loser, and mm. um, you know he, it's not worth expending any any political capital on this anymore. Uh, so they're they're cutting and running, which is, I mean. Am I right in thinking that? I, I, I don't know. That's the way that I'm seeing. I'm seeing it. Uh, well, from my well, perspective, I, I think the I think uh, McConnell is doing whatever he can to cut Trump completely out of this. Well, at the same time, cutting Nancy Pelosi out of this. I just think he's uh, <clears throat> Mitch McConnell to a certain extent has given up dealing with either of them, <laughs> which doesn't put us in a, a very good place. In fact, it doesn't put the Republican Party in a very good place because usually in stalemates like this, the attitude from voters is vote all the bums out. And, and that tends to not always take place so that where, you know, we tend to reelect incumbents in this country. But in terms of just enough to make a significant difference in the makeup of the Senate, makeup of state legislatures, certainly uh, an advantage for the Democrats in the House. This is going to work out negatively for the Republicans in a bad, bad way. And it's going to only amplify all the negative shit that's already there. That's uh, certainly dragging down the Republican polls. Gentlemen, I have some news. This was Donald Trump speaking with Rush Limbaugh moments ago. We're rounding the turn on the pandemic, and I'll have something to say about that, because I'm telling you, we have a cure more than just a therapeutic. We have a cure. But yeah, so we have a cure, according to our uh, prevaricator in chief. He's that desperate now. He is that desperate where uh, three weeks before the election, his polls are in the toilet and now he is really trying to sell some snake oil to the American public about having a cure for coronavirus. And I got to say, fuck this guy. Fuck yeah. him. 
we've got tens of thousands of people hospitalized mm-hmm. with this right now, wondering, am I going to die? And their loved ones are saying, is dad going to die? Is mom going to die? Is grandma going to die? Is my sister going to die? And here comes this shithead claiming that we have a cure. And we don't know what he's talking about, but we know he's full of shit because we know we're months away from a cure at a minimum. And he is giving false hope to these people because he wants another four years. This guy is evil. You know what it is? You know, it's not a cure. He was talking about this. He hinted at this a little bit yesterday in that weird uh, thing that he shot on the South Lawn of the White House that a lot of people were saying was green screen. (laughs) That was so strange, yeah. Yeah, during that weird fucking rant that he was doing yesterday, he was basically defining his series of medications as being the cure. Regeneron, remdesivir, and dexamethasone. So, and then what he was also saying is, we're going to provide all of these medicines to people who have COVID for free. That's what he was promising yesterday. So my guess is this thing that he's telling Rush Limbaugh today is not a legitimate, obviously it's not a legitimate cure. There's no cure right now. But he, Donald Trump, with his toxic positivity, is defining these meds that he was on. You know, we're talking about anywhere from $100,000 to $400,000 worth of care that he was, uh, was gifted with from the American people four days in the hospital. He's taking his treatment and applying that to everybody and thinking now everyone should get that, uh, that same treatment. And it's nice to say that, I guess, but at the same time, it's never going to fucking happen. Do you think for in a million years the Regeneron guys are going to go, oh, yeah, we'll just start handing this out for free? No, 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 no. That, th- again, this is Mike, you nailed it. He is a fucker of the highest order. He is giving false hope to people uh, only to yank the rug out. It, he just, again, he keeps making things worse, not only for himself, but for everyone else. And this is another case of that. But I mean, it's also the fact that the the treatment that he had has not been proven, not clinically. I mean, the mm-hmm. fact that he appears to be doing well. Again, we're only a week into Trump's um, uh, weekend after he's tested positive, right? And and uh, eight days after he's been symptomatic. Apparently, this is an experimental treatment that hasn't been proven yet. Like it, it like. Once it gets out, you know, there's a whole process by which you have to go through when you get these drugs um, approved, right? And it's still, it's still experiment, experimental, right? It yeah. still hasn't been. I mean, it's shown in, in in early trials to have been effective, and it may have been effective with Trump. We don't know. We don't know whether that's just the steroids that he's on, masking what's actually happening to him. I mean, again, you know, this is like the the sort of recklessness is it's just astonishing. I mean, it really is absolutely astonishing that this guy is getting out there and he's not listening to scientists and doctors. He's going out there by himself and saying, well, this worked on me, so therefore it's going to work on everyone. Uh, therefore, we have a, a cure. I mean, right. I mean, it's, it is sickening. It really is absolutely sickening. And I think it goes, Bob, into your what you were saying. I mean, had a great piece in the, in the banter this week about this, that um, you know, Amer- we're, everyone's sick of this now. They've, they've just had yeah. enough. Like, they literally cannot take this anymore of his bullshit. And this is just another case of, of bullshit. And he's, it's, you know, we've got another three weeks to go. 
my fear is that it's going to get crazier. Today, he has a cure for coronavirus. What mm. the fuck is it going to be next week? I just, um, one of my biggest concerns is that he's going to start bombing something. And that's a legitimate concern that I have. I keep expecting to wake up one of these mornings to the news that Donald Trump started bombing whatever. And I'm not entirely convinced that it's going to be an overseas target. You know, I get the sense that suddenly we're going to wake up and he's going to, he will have bombed Portland. You know, I'm just, he's that unstable right now. And to get on Rush Limbaugh with however many millions of listeners and promise a cure that is not going to happen. There will be no vaccine for at least another year. And he's on the radio right now telling all of the 65 plus listeners of uh, Rush Limbaugh, the people who are aged 65 plus that, oh, yeah, cure is right around the corner. By the way, vote for me. I'm pandering. Don't you hear me pandering to you, old people? Yeah, I'm pandering. It's like yesterday. I'm a senior. Didn't you know that? Not many people knew that I was a senior, and I am. <laughs> no shit. Yeah, try, uh, try, trying to be like a normal person and, and have some sense of humor, which he doesn't. No. But the funny thing is that Regeneron is not even the name of the drug. It's the name of the company that makes the, the cocktail, which makes you wonder either he's just I mean, it could be that he's just ignorant, which that is certainly true. But also it could be maybe he has a stake in Regeneron, mm -hmm. whose stock has risen sharply since he started touting this stuff. Who yeah. knows? It, know. Either ig ignorant or greedy, take your pick. Either way, it's not a good look. Yeah, he's uh, getting himself into all kinds of additional trouble now. And <laughs> once again, I go back to the silver lining in all of this, where we could be looking at something that maybe even dwarfs 2008. Knock on wood, you still got to fucking vote. Don't get happy, don't get complacent, you got to vote. But at the same time, the way things are looking today, and of course, things can change quite quickly, as we've all seen. But the way things are looking today, uh, the, all of this bullshit that Donald Trump is putting us through is ultimately uh, damaging Donald Trump. I mean, make no mistake, this could be uh, just an utter blowout if things continue on this trajectory. And look, I mean, you know, if we're being honest, this race has been this way for months now. You know, the, like Trump has Trump screwed himself with the coronavirus pandemic um, response early on. And I think that, you know, the race has been incredibly consistent. And what I think is interesting is that it's not shifted. You know, the, the numbers have remained unbelievably stable for months and months and months now. And I think that if Trump had, you know, uh, an ace up his sleeve, which he keeps trying to pull aces, you know, he keeps trying to pull out an ace. And he, he doesn't have any. He's shooting blanks. And there's nothing that, you know, that I can't see anything that he could do to turn his political fortunes around. You know, I, again, you know, I'm emotionally, mentally, physically scarred from 2016. Uh, and, and like Bob, like you're always saying, don't get happy. I think that, you know, you shouldn't take the victory for granted. But it does look like it's going to be, we're going to be rid of this lunatic in, in three weeks time. Um, I mean... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm just saying. What 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 kind of damage can he do on the way out as well? Which is yeah. which is what I'm worrying about as well now. Like, what what does he do on the way out? I, I mean, when he's a lamed up president, when he's I mean, he's you know he can't get anything done now. So I'm not that worried. But you know, who knows? Yeah. Well, I'm I'm constantly worried about any shenanigans circulating around the election. Obviously, everything I say about the fortunes of this particular election going with the polls and everything, it's all said with an asterisk next to it. It's a, look, <laughs> this guy is a cheater. I mean, he was impeached for trying to cheat in this election. Make no mistake. 
and he will try to cheat again. He's continuously trying to cheat. He tried to sabotage the Postal Service in order to do it. And so when it comes to the election itself, he still has this this card that he's going to play with the mail-in ballots, and he's going to use it, and he's going to try to get Amy Coney Barrett on the court because she's going to be his Bill Barr on the Supreme Court. Someone to backstop Donald Trump is why she was nominated in the first place. So, you know, this is not over by any stretch of the imagination, but all things being normal, <laughs> it looks really good for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and thus the rest of the country. But, uh, you know, that being said, there are all kinds of wild cards still in the, uh, in the mix here. I guess we should finally come around to the story about the uh, plot to kidnap the governor of Michigan and put her on oh, a show yeah. trial. For those who are unfamiliar, about a dozen white domestic terrorists schemed to kidnap the governor of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer, and put her on trial for doing the right thing and locking down her state and ordering a mask mandate and all of that stuff during the pandemic. And you might recall there were some people who weren't very happy with that in Michigan. And so back on April 15th, they stormed the Capitol and they were protesting. They were screaming in people's faces. Like there were cops guarding the guarding parts of of the uh, Capitol building, and they were inside and they were just absolutely screaming. Then two days later, Donald Trump goes on a tweet storm where he has all caps liberate Michigan. He had liberate Minnesota and liberate basically all these swing states, right? Then after that, on April 30th, again, the armed militia types, the anti-maskers, they fill the Michigan Capitol building in Lansing, and they scream and demand that the state reopen again. And at least two of the guys in that protest were charged as part of this conspiracy to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer. Well, yeah, I, I really worry about this for a number of reasons. One, um, I'm concerned uh, for the safety of Governor Whitmer. I, I just I, I hope she's getting enough protection right now. Because it's got to be terrifying to believe that, you know, there may be other plots out there. I, the other thing I thought of is, are the other governors, the other Democratic governors safe at this point? Uh, are there investigations making sure that there are no... Uh, actionable threats against them at the same time. So lots of different things in, in motion here. And, you know, the big elephant in the room is uh, literally Donald Trump. I mean, how what was his part in sparking this particular plot, which, again, it just seems like it seems like cosplay to me. It just it seems like phony baloney bullshit. It seems like these guys are acting out because they played Call of Duty too many times. Um, but the, but it's you know that's that's just my perception. I think it's uh, very very serious. Obviously, they were legitimately going about trying to put this together. But at, at the same time, it just it sounds like uh, like an amateur effort. And by the way, <laughs> it's also making me think that we need to bring back the draft. You know, because there are a lot of guys out there who desperately want to be in the military, and maybe we should give them that uh, mandatory opportunity. I don't know. Uh, but there are a lot of guys who are at least pretending that they are, and uh, maybe they should, uh, you know, put their asses on the line <laughs> instead of just pretending. 
Yeah, I mean, we're in a very, very troubling spot right now, I think, you know, with this. And this is the the, the danger of somebody like Trump. This is what we were screaming about um, in 2015, 2016, like the effect that somebody like Donald Trump has on the population, a population that already kind of a scary, um, you know, the, the kind of wasp, not even what, I mean, the, the white uh, middle American culture is already a sort of uh, a dangerously racist um, kind of entity in, in, in American society and has been, you know, since its inception. You know, they've been fed a steady diet of Fox News, hate, uh, right-wing radio, and, and they've been primed. They've literally been primed f- um, to do these kind of things for, for decades now. And then Trump coming in and has basically poured gasoline all over it. And I think that, you know, it shouldn't be underestimated the effect that some Trump has on these kind of people. You know, it's like the, all the statistics on race attacks, on, on racist events happening in, in the Trump era. The same happened in Britain after Brexit. You know, there's a huge increase in, in uh, race-related uh, hate crimes. So, you know, this is one of the other reasons why I'm just so, so grateful that, well, hopeful that this is going to be over soon you know then we can get back to some sort of sense of normalcy and government institutions can get about go about their jobs normally without having this lunatic installing other lunatics um you know i'm looking forward to the great trump purge where anybody loyal to trump gets booted out of government everywhere yeah you know and and we can we can get back to some sense of normalcy the, I feel like the, that has to happen, Ben. That that's a mandatory thing. The, yeah. That it's not just Trump. It's Trumpism. It's uh, you know Trump's inner circle of people. I, I you know ideally they should uh, have to go into hiding under assumed names or something like this after this is all over. <laughs> like to find a non extradition non extradition country to uh, kind of settle down in. Um, I, I feel like that's the sort of thing that we're we're faced with here because we're legitimately faced with fascist tyranny coming from the White House. And usually when that sort of thing arises in a particular nation, the tyrant, uh, things don't end well for the tyrant. That's typically what happens. Um, there is always a small chance that, that the tyrant wins and things don't work out well for the people. But most of the time, tyrants like Donald Trump end up uh, crashing and burning and, and, uh, and, and their ends are never uh, all that positive. <laughs> their ends tend to match, uh, the degree of their tyranny. So, uh, we'll have yeah. to s- wait and see on that. But I, I certainly hope people don't get to the point where they're going, well, let's just move forward and, and forget about the past and just, uh, you know, let, let's heal, let's heal the nation rather than, uh, a- addressing why we ended up in this crisis in the first place. And uh, I, I certainly hope there are measures taken to prevent another crisis like this. We we can't move forward without looking back. We can't move forward unless we fix right. this. And the, and the other thing I'll point out about this is just that the FBI has a lot of recordings of these guys in Michigan. Mm-hmm. They've got a lot of text messages and encrypted chats. And the complaint's only 15 pages long. Obviously, there's only excerpts in there. But I would be very interested to know, and we may learn this as this investigation, as this case moves forward. I'd be very interested to know if they talked about Trump in any of those. Because something tells me these guys weren't planning to vote for the Biden-Harris ticket. And I suspect that the more we learn about them, the straighter the line we'll be able to draw from Trump's rhetoric to their kidnapping plot. 
And yet Trump was he was on Twitter yesterday saying that Whitmer should be thanking him. But to your guys point about, you know, this whole thing, there's this tendency in politics. Ah, you know, we need to look forward, not backward. And I've seen like people suggest, well, you know, when this is all over, we need a truth and reconciliation commission. And no, no, we need prosecutions. Crimes have been committed. And I understand it's not a precedent you want to set to go after your predecessors. But if they have committed crimes, then they should be prosecuted. There is something to be said about the rule of law in this country and holding this corrupt criminal enterprise, known as the Trump administration, accountable. When Gerald Ford pardon Nixon, that was a very unpopular move. And he justified it on the grounds of, we need to look forward, not backward. The nation needs to heal. And it's like, no, Jerry, most of the nation wants Nixon prosecuted for his crimes. All you've done is say law and order doesn't matter. At least when a crime has been committed by the most powerful person on the planet, it doesn't matter. All of you plebes, yes, law and order, that's for you. But for the president, it doesn't apply. There is that precedent that we don't investigate previous administration, or one administration doesn't investigate the previous administration. But that precedent has uh, has been killed. There is no precedent like that right now. Donald Trump has started to investigate Barack Obama and Joe Biden through this uh, John Durham uh, U.S. attorney investigation in Connecticut, the, the one that Bill Barr has mandated. So there is an investigation of the previous administration going on right damn now. So Donald Trump has literally set a new precedent uh, that could see himself get investigated if he loses this election. And thank God for it. You know, I don't know if anything's going to come of that Durham uh, probe. They're certainly not going to have a report or anything like that out before the election. So he's not going to be able to use that. But the fact is that they're going to find nothing. There have been IG reports about um, what is it called? Uh, Crossfire hurricane. Uh, repeated IG reports and, and congressional investigations about it. And they found nothing. So John Durham is going to find Nothing in all of it. The only thing they're going to actually find out of this is if, you know, Donald Trump looks at something that's entirely normal and frames it as, oh, look at that. Look at those. Look at that thing. Like there was a post-it note issue, a post-it note flap that came around a couple of days ago. Oh, there are all these post-it. That means there's something hinky going on here. Look at it, everybody at Fox News Channel. Look at how bad this is. And it's it was nothing. It turned out to be absolutely fucking nothing. It was someone who was trying to disprove what they were doing with Crossfire Hurricane, uh, who added those post-it notes. So but going back to my original point, th- there is now the precedent that you can do this. And so that's going to uh, hopefully, in best case scenario, uh, just uh, you know, completely nail this entire cabal of, of criminals and, and their henchmen and, and Trump and the Trump family and, and all the rest of it. You're exactly right, Mike. These people have to be investigated. They have to be indicted for whatever crimes uh, come of those investigations. And, uh, and, and that is absolutely mandatory. In fact, those of us who are trying to depose Trump at this point, we need to, if he loses this election, we need to uh, rechannel our efforts toward making sure that those investigations happen, that there is a Trump Crimes Commission, that there are uh, a slate of reforms to close all of these loopholes in the uh, presidential system. Um, These are all things that must happen, and there will be uh, a sort of, I imagine Van Jones leading an effort to kind of 
move on after this, <laughs> and we have to resist that as much as possible. We cannot let those voices uh, uh, tamp down what, what needs to happen out of this. How ironic would it be that if Trump's push for criminal sentencing reform ends up benefiting him at some point? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Which is, by the way, I haven't uh, discounted that as a possibility, as a motivation for Donald Trump. Oh, yeah, he may end up in prison. Got to make sure we reform, we reform the prisons now. Right. And, uh, yeah. Jared, Jared Kushner led that effort. Maybe he's uh, smarter than we all gave him credit for. <laughs> I think Trump knows that he's at least going to be indicted if he loses. I think that's one of the things that drives him so desperately to be reelected, pulling out all the stops and cheating and all the rest. Of it. He knows if he loses this election, the rest of his life. And in fact, he's even said it at his rallies. If I lose this election, you will never hear from me again. And I like to think, again, that it's because he has to flee to a non-extradition nation based on, you know, using a, a false name or something like that that a fake id and a, an assumed identity uh but i think it's because he's going to be in court the whole goddamn time please this is like a some sort of fantasy you know I, i'm getting <laughs> yeah, warm fuzzy fuzzy feelings just talking about this stuff as a as a possibility it's prosecution porn that's what prosecution it is. porn exactly uh well look bob i i think uh, we've we've um We've covered pretty much everything this week, I, th I think, uh, in terms of the the insanity. And um, you know, I think we'll, that's a good time to to leave it. And we uh, are extremely grateful for you coming on on the podcast. Oh, thank uh, you. Anytime, week. guys. Anytime. Uh, I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks, Bob. Uh, uh, as always. And and Bob, look, um, where can people again? Look, if you're not listening to the Bob Seska podcast, you, you're insane. So please do that. And uh, Bob, do you want to just give everybody um, details on how they can listen and how they can follow you? Um, so everyone knows where to go. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, you can uh, find my podcast, The Bob Seska Show, everywhere you get your podcasts, Apple uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all the rest of them. Well, not SoundCloud. Actually, we're not on SoundCloud, so strike that. Spotify. We are definitely on Spotify, too. Uh, most of the places where people get their podcasts. Also, uh, my Patreon is bobseskashow.com. And uh, you can sign up there and get all kinds of uh, bonus content, including uh, the show that we're going to be recording this afternoon, the Friday After Party podcast with me and Kimberly Johnson. So that's coming up uh, later today. Awesome. And um, just before we go, um, what uh, if people want to, um, where also can they find you on Twitter and places like that? Oh, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Plug Facebook. it all, plug, plug, yeah. plug it all, Bob, because you're you're great. It's like um, you know, but but follow Bob on Facebook as well, because you get yeah. some great. Well, technically, I'm on Facebook, but I'm not really on Facebook. I don't go there a lot. The new Facebook design is a hideous nightmare. It looks like a personal homepage from 1997. It's a, a jumbled, <laughs> non-functional mess. Uh, so Facebook continues to fuck with us by constantly changing things for no reason. Uh, but I am there. I'm also on Twitter. That's the, my main social media. Hangout is uh, is on Twitter. Bob Seska underscore go, which is the worst possible Twitter handle in the history of Twitter handles. I don't know what I was thinking, but there is yes an underscore <laughs> in my Twitter handle, and you can also find me just by searching for me. You can't miss it. Awesome, Bob. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll have Thank you, you guys. We'll have you back on before the before November. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. Anytime you you need me to come back on, I'm uh, I'm certainly willing to do it. I'd have a great time. Hey, Ben, I have a question before we go. What time do you want to record an update to this podcast tomorrow? Because it seems like lately, every time we record the podcast <laughs> oh on Friday, we get some earth-shattering news later that day <laughs> that makes our podcast irrelevant. we got to go record an addendum.
That's so, see, that's my problem. That's why I end up having to record my podcast a middle of the afternoon, and then it, it only gets up late in the or sort of in the middle of the evening, which is non, which is not really ideal for a podcast. You want people to be able to listen to their podcast during their commute in the morning or something like that. But there's no way to do it earlier because of exactly the dynamic you're talking about, Mike. Where as soon as you turn off the microphones, some other fucking thing comes along and completely deletes everything that you were just talking about in terms of what people are. Uh, discussing online, so it's a pain in the ass, and I can't wait to get back to uh, normalcy here. <laughs> yeah, well, so, so does podcast, noon? Does yeah. noon tomorrow work for you, Ben? <laughs> well, our podcast comes out on Sunday, so perhaps it comes out about ten o'clock Sunday morning. So perhaps we should maybe nine thirty Sunday morning. We should. Uh, we- we should schedule a quick call just to make sure we've covered everything. Um, but no, hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully nothing too crazy over the weekend. But um, well, listen, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Um, you can uh, subscribe to the Banter newsletter. You can go to the banter.substack.com and you sign up to our newsletter. You can become a, a, a Banter member as well. You can There'll be a two-month free trial. Just click that at the bottom of the article. There's a nice big red button and you get two months free. And you can read all Bob's stuff. Bob's stuff is um, often behind the paywall so you can uh, read all of Bob's um, awesome work there as well but uh, again Bob thank you so much uh, for, for coming on the show and we'll see you soon my friend thanks guys take care bye bye